This Wicked Chops podcast is brought to you by Amber Gaming, a platform with a plan. Visit www.ambergaming.com. Never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. Now tuned into the motherfucking greatest. Turn the music up in the headphones. Tim, you can go and brush your shoulder off, nigga. I got you. Welcome to the last Wicked Chops podcast of 2013. We've got to review what happened this year, because a lot did. Joining me, longtime friend, contributor, Jay Greenspan. Jay, welcome aboard. Hey, Chops. How you doing? Happy New Year. Uh, yeah, early Happy New Year to you. Uh, I think it's, uh, this has been a really good year in general for poker. I think next year's uh, going to get better, and I think 2015 is really when things are going to get good. But uh, before we look ahead, let's look back uh, to some of the big events this year. The Clearly, the biggest thing that happened this year in poker uh, is the Nevada, New Jersey, Delaware legislation. We'll be joined a little bit later in this podcast by Chris Grove of Online Poker Report to really dive deep on this subject. But Nevada, New Jersey, Delaware go live. People are actually legally playing online poker again in the U.S. Jay, is there anything that even comes close to that as a as a news story for our industry this year? No. And being around the industry, this is something that people have been talking about for a long time. Uh, and I had remained a skeptic as to when this would be possible in the U.S. And to see it happening somewhere, um, even if it's just three states at this point, is just an, an enormous step forward because for the longest time, there was no momentum whatsoever. There was really, it was just conversation within the community, and it didn't seem like there was really any energy for it uh, legislatively anywhere. So I think this is a big, big step. Yeah, is it, do you think that we're... I feel like it happened a little bit quicker than I was expecting. You know, Black Friday was uh, now almost three years, let's say two and a half years ago. But, uh, you know, Nevada was up and live two years after after Black Friday. Uh, New Jersey, obviously not too long after that. Delaware. Um, are you surprised at how quickly we got some states aboard? A little bit, yeah. I, You know, I've been hearing it for so long and hearing these like rosy predictions from so many people for so many years now that I just became totally inured to it. I didn't believe it was going to happen anywhere for a good right. long time. But, I mean, we can talk, we'll talk about this with Chris a little further, but it's not simply that it's available in three states now. It's the way that you see people preparing for it. It's the, the money and energy that, that's behind it that lets me believe that this is no longer just a pipe dream within the community, but this is something that is going to happen it'll, over a broad swath of the United States before too long. Okay, yeah, and uh, let's uh, let, let's table this at least for now because we're gonna we're gonna really expand on it with uh, Chris shortly uh, and go on to a couple other big. Uh, new stories within the industry of the last year. The remissions process, something that uh, you probably uh, just with your background uh, are glad to see as maybe a, a closing chapter to the to the full tilt saga. Uh, how closely have you been following it? Uh, not that closely. I mean, I have my Google alerts that let me know when some full tilt related news is happening. And, you know, for somebody who pulled a check from full tilt for you know, a fair amount of time, 
um, it'll just be a relief when I don't have to think about this anymore. You know, right. the, um, you know, it was a while since the letterer files came out and people were really discussing about the, discussing the details of this. And it makes me happy, I'm a happier person in general when I don't have to think about this. Uh, and when the vast majority of the people hopefully have their money back, um, I'll, I'll feel just personally just a lot better and I won't, it won't have to be feeling sick inside every now and then, and that'll be that'll be good for me personally. Yeah, how quickly uh, how quickly I've forgotten about the letterer files is just. <laughs> I remember watching those being somewhat outraged, and now I, I don't even don't even think about it. It's just it's it's I guess impressive as or maybe not impressive. I don't know if it's impressive or not, but as a community, how quickly. Uh, people have moved past some some things. One, their abjunct hatred of uh, Howard and, and Ray Batar. Uh, and then two, all of the anger around Ultimate Bet, too. It's just, yeah, it, it's probably a healthy thing, but it, there's nowhere near any level of outrage like there, like there was years ago. Chops, when did Batar get sentenced exactly? When was that? I can't, that was, was that this year? Yeah, that was, you know, you can find things on the internet. And according to Google, uh, <laughs> it was April 15th of this year. He pled guilty, uh, was sentenced and avoided jail time. Yeah, it was, that was one of the more remarkable experiences of my professional career because somebody who you really wanted to see punished deeply and yeah. then, and, and badly, and then you, and then he goes and needs a heart transplant. So I can't even like, you know, I'm sympathetic to just about anybody who uh, needs that, who's that ill, which is just a just a weird, bizarre ending to. Yeah, to I can imagine. You know, I I would not. Um, you know, personally, I did not have. Uh, not saying that you felt a level of spite uh, or vengeance towards Ray Batar that, let's say, if I had been in your shoes, I would have felt. But um, you know, as a lover of spite. Uh, that would have that would have really fucked me up emotionally. That, I would have had a tough time dealing with that one. Yeah, you uh, can't even get like the kind of closure that you'd want off of that. It's like, yeah, the son of a bitch is in jail. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh man, well, like, I would want him in jail. I don't want him dead. You know, yeah, <laughs> like, I, I don't want him to have a heart attack and die and suffer that much. Yeah, that I, much. <laughs> another big topic, and we wrote about this today. Uh, posted it on Wicked Chops today but is the year that Daniel Negreanu had. It's, it's pretty remarkable. He ended up the top of the GPI, the bluff, and the card player statistical rankings for the end of the year, which I don't think has ever been done. I know GPI hasn't been around that long. Uh, who knows how much longer they'll be around. But uh, still, it's a, it's a pretty amazing accomplishment. And one of the things that we wrote about in the post today on Wicked Chops is how Negreanu has managed to have his two best years and what I would argue are the two most important years in the modern poker era, 2004 and then this year, 2013. And how the best of the best in their given sports, and I would still consider poker a sport or a mind sport, it's a form of competition, but how the greatest in, in people's respective sports have an impeccable sense of timing and rise to the top when it matters most. Uh, do you agree with that? Do you think that Negreanu really is like the best of the best, concedes that, those moments this year? What, what do you think of the year he had? I think it's remarkable by by any standard. 
I think there's so much luck and variance in poker that it's hard to attribute this solely to, you know, his, his ability to rise to the occasion. Uh, but it does show in a, in a really uncommon ability, you know, the, as we've gone further and further, you know, past the poker boom, the type of players that we see winning, you know, just seem like clones of one another. You know, they're right. getting, you know, closer and closer to the, you know, to 21, um, all math obsessed, all just, you know, hyper aggressive all the time. Personality you know, void though. Right. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Personality void. But that's, that just seems to be the, 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 the kind of person who really succeeds in, you know, in the game today. It really, you know, really has that, you know, that, that monomaniacal focus and that ability, you know, and then the inherent ability to do this. So to see Negreanu, who's now, you know, not a kid anymore. Um, he, we're, we're, the, we're, the, we're a month apart in age. So, yeah, we're both turning 40 in 2014. And let's face it, this is a young man's game. It's like if, as it gets more and more technical, it becomes more and more like chess, you know, where the great chess players really peak very, very young you know, where that mental acuity right. is at its, at its most deft. So I think it's that he's doing it at this, at this point in his life, at this point in his career, you know, and like, look, we can tell you, once you hit at 40 years old, you don't quite have the concentration for the same number of hours that you do when you're 21. You don't have the same energy. Um, but he's able to do it at this level. So whether it's him rising to the occasion or, or the fates just working out, in the best way possible for him almost doesn't matter. It's just that it really is a great, great achievement. Yeah. And he's without a doubt at this point, I don't think there's any argument anymore. He's the number one brand name in poker and he's, he's the top marketable guy. Um, you know, there was a, there was a time where you could maybe put a Helmuth or an Ivy close up there, but, uh, or Antonio can't forget Antonio, but you know, it's really Daniel. And, as you pointed out, it's, there's been this flood of, you know, 21 to 24 year olds who are all the same guy who are all great, but, uh, none of them necessarily these cult of personalities. Uh, and there's so many winners every year in poker tournaments, uh, and just so much new blood that to see an old guard and Daniel's definitely an old guard at this point. Uh, but also to be the number one recognizable guy. It's just, it's so good for the game. It's good for poker. Uh, glad it happened this year as poker was is being legitimized uh, across the country finally. And the timing of it couldn't have been better. Awesome. So let's, uh, let's get in, Chris, now to talk about what our number one story was this year. And that is the legislative process. All right. So first time guest on the Wicked Chops podcast, online poker reports, Chris Grove. How are you doing? Good. How are you guys doing? Excellent. So Chris, we've been talking about the big stories of 2013. Obviously, what has happened legislatively uh, is number one on the list. Uh, your site, Online Poker Report, absolutely crushes it does a great job on uh, just covering all the news regarding online poker in the U.S. Uh, I, I think I wrote last week in a, in a post that I'll go and skim and read and then spit out some stuff in that just so I can look smart in meetings. So thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, I'm happy, happy to help. If you need anything specific for the next meeting, just uh, let me know a couple <laughs> days in advance. Yeah, I will. Uh, absolutely. I'm going to take you up on that. So uh, first... Let's talk about just the current state 
of legalization in in the U.S. for online poker. We've got Nevada, New Jersey, Delaware on board. Uh, how are the states performing first, and do you think they're performing up to expectations? Sure. I, I think that this is a difficult question to answer until January when we get the first financial results for New Jersey, because right now, obviously, we have some sort of insight into poker traffic via Poker Scout, but mm -hmm. casino revenue is just absolutely a black box at this point. So. Some, some guessing involved to evaluate New Jersey, but from all external signs, it seems like it's going pretty well in New Jersey. I would say that poker traffic is above where most people would have expected. I think that bodes well for casinos, and I think what really makes that encouraging is the fact that, obviously, one, there are a lot of geolocation pressures on liquidity right now, a lot of people getting locked out that shouldn't be, uh, two, same with depositing, there's too much friction in that process. And then three, I think the first quarter of 2014, we're really going to see the full marketing pushes from some of these big operators in New Jersey. I think that they've been holding back for a number of reasons, the holidays and, and the geolocation and deposits among them. And once they pull the trigger on some of these big efforts, then we're really going to get a sense of the potential of the New Jersey market. But I think so far, so good. Nevada, I think, is a, a different story. It's at a different stage. I think that they've gotten to the point with poker now where the initial rush of interest has, has worn off and they're facing that challenge of how do we maintain liquidity. It's easy enough to get liquidity at the start with the launch when you have all of the hype, but then you run into this problem after some people have basically lost their way out of the playing ecosystem. How do you replenish that player base? And I think that's going to be Nevada's big story and, and big challenge for 2014, how they manage to get those player levels back up, especially if they're talking about having some more sites coming into the state. And Chris, the um, we've all seen numbers thrown around by legislatures and you know the casino industry about how much online gaming can mean to state coffers and you see some pretty outrageous numbers thrown around here and there um, and it, it seems like the New Jersey may be the first indication of real numbers that can be applied um, you know to other to other states you can actually extrapolate from there yeah, and I think that that's going to be the thing that in many ways, New Jersey's biggest service in some sense to the movement for regulated online gambling will be to make concrete some of these things that have been purely theoretical or hypothetical to this point. I think that New Jersey's numbers are going to come in well, well below official estimates, and, and that is the consensus opinion, is, is that the official estimates are basically works of fiction. But the numbers that do come out of the market should be fairly substantial and, and should certainly be sufficient fodder for a state like Pennsylvania, for a state like Illinois, or a state like California to extrapolate from and to use them to make the argument, hey, this is real money that, that could be going into the coffers. These just aren't projections. This is what's happening on the ground. So it won't be nearly as rosy as Christie is projecting, but it, it will still be tens of millions of dollars in, in the first year. Uh, in the first fiscal year, so right, and and to your on. point, if if some of the companies have been holding back on some of their marketing and advertising push in New Jersey, you know, we would at least hope or expect to see a, a build through 2014 in that liquidity base. Would you expect? Absolutely, I, I cannot, I think, overstate how substantial the push is going to be Q1, Q2 in New Jersey. There's so many things that are coming into place. Obviously, you have some major poker events happening out at the Borgata right. in January and then also at the WPT Championship. I think not a lot of people are talking about it, but the entrance of Tropicana and Virgin in, into the market full force uh, for poker and, and full force with the marketing muscle of Virgin behind it, I think is going to be something of a game changer. Do you really? And, and do you think that the uh, you know Tropicana going with the GameSys platform, which it's 
it's going to be the first time GameSys has, has launched a poker platform, you don't think that there could be potential issues around that. I, I think that there are going to be issues, no doubt. I, I think that you make an excellent point, but I, I'm very excited to see basically what the, the brand genius, the marketing genius of, of Virgin can do in this space. And I think sure. that we're going to see some really creative stuff, and, and I think that we're going to see a lot of investment behind that creative marketing as well. So that kind of thing excites me. Anything, any company that, that has shown that they can really bring products to the mainstream, a variety of products to the mainstream, really excites me when you start talking about regulated online gambling, because that's not necessarily experience that a lot of operators and their partners have. Right. One, uh, you know, New Jersey is the most populous state, um, you know, a big state, but nowhere, nowhere near to the, you brought up Pennsylvania, you know, Florida, New York, obviously California, Nevada, Delaware's 45th or 46th most populous, Nevada's 35th, I think. Um, so, you know, we're not talking about big numbers just in general uh, in these states. Uh, Ultimate Poker, for example, you're, you're talking about numbers uh, I've had on Good Source was raking at its height over the summer before the WSOP market entry um, around $6,000 a day and just rake, which being a Nevada resident and seeing what they were spending, they were definitely uh, spending a lot more than they were making. Uh, do you, Do you think that if you want to call it disappointing, I don't know if that's the right word, but maybe the not blow the blow the roof off the numbers results of Nevada um, and particularly of, let's say, this this first entree in 2013 of New Jersey are going to make other states a little more hesitant or less aggressive on passing legislation in 2014. That's an interesting point. I've thought about that with New Jersey, the gap between their official predictions and the numbers that are are going to come in and how that might impact the discussion in other states. I don't know that, I mean, obviously it might have a negative impact. I, I think what's going to matter more, however, is the absolute number that New Jersey comes out with and not the relative one between projections and what actually happens. If they come out with an absolute number that is in the tens of millions, I think that's going to be enough for most other states. So, And, and as far as Nevada, you know, that, that's a real tricky one, poker only. So it's not going to be analogous to every state's experience right. or, or the experience that they're planning to have. And Nevada's, Nevada's handling of online poker tourism to this point is, has been sort of underwhelming. It, there hasn't been evidence of much traffic coming in from out of state. And, you know, that's something that obviously doesn't seem to be the case in New Jersey, at least if anecdotal reports are, are to be believed. There is substantial um, traffic coming in across state lines for regulated online gambling in New Jersey. Interesting. Jay, have you played on any of the, on the, any of the live sites yet? I have not. I'm in Massachusetts. Um, I was in Nevada briefly this summer, uh, but I have a Mac, and they didn't, so I wasn't able to play on Ultimate Poker, and WSOP had yet to launch. Uh, but we're, we're talking about the platforms, and I think this is a interesting maybe to segue a bit into the uh, how the providers have done, and I've been very impressed um, overall, Party 888, um, and even Ultimate have really put to, put out products that are, you know, usable in very in a pretty tough environment. How how do you feel about how that's gone, Chris? I think that 888 is in many ways the winner so far of the market, just because of of their well of their ubiquitousness. I guess you would say they're the only platform that is is genuinely involved in all three states. Obviously, they're not live in Nevada yet, and that that has been delayed several times. I'm not entirely sure what the story is there, but it seems as if they are on the brink. Of, of being live. In yeah, there's, there's a story there. <laughs> it's, uh, there's issues. Yes. 
But I, I think for that fact, that the fact that they've managed to really position themselves not only as a B2B company in these markets, but also as a B2C company, that's a victory that I'm not seeing a lot of other operators manage, at least not at this early point. Obviously, uh, some others will emerge. Uh, Amaya is another name that comes to mind, certainly if you're looking at New Jersey. Um, they're about as omnipresent as, as you can be in terms yep. of being a platform provider or a content provider. So I, I think those two names, and, and then Party is obviously, I think everyone assumed that Party Borgata would do well. I don't know necessarily that everyone assumed they would do as well as they are doing. And I do think that a lot of it is to Party's credit, both in terms of, of their platform and their marketing push, which has been both publicly and behind the scenes substantial. So looking ahead to 2014, uh, industry consensus from everybody I've talked to on the, on the operator side, uh, you know, just within, within the poker industry, is that nobody expects another state to actually go live with real money gaming, be it poker or, or, or casino games as well, next year. But a few states to pass legislation to go live in the 2015 to really be the year that things open up. Are you hearing the same thing? Yes, and that makes sense to me. If you look at New Jersey's timeline, which was pretty compact, right? Yep. Um, and, and you look at how that played out. They started the legislative push, obviously, a couple of years before. The final legislative push started in December of 2012. Then we have the passage. We have the conditional video. The conditional video. We have the conditional veto. Uh, the bill goes back. They fix it. And then they get basically from passage of bill to offering games in just about the space of, I think, roughly eight months, something like that. It's pretty eight, remarkable. Eight, nine months. And that is from, obviously, a regulatory body that had been preparing for this. I don't right. think there's any doubt. Um, Rebuck has said as much. I don't think other states are necessarily going to have that same jump. Uh, New Jersey also benefited from a fairly cohesive industry in terms of more or less everyone being on the same page, uh, a relatively compact industry. There are only, what, I think six unique operators that are actually taking part in, in online gambling in New Jersey. I don't see that recipe really present in any of the other states that are considered likely contenders to regulate. So Pennsylvania, Illinois, California, New York, so on and so forth. So I, I agree. I, I think that there's going to be a lot of legislative work done in 2014, uh, but unless it happens very early, like next week or with, within January, pretty much at the start of the session, if, if you don't see uh, legislative aggressiveness in those first few weeks of the session in these states, then I don't think you're going to have any chance of, of poker or casino going live in 2014. Chris, is there any hope for a, a federal solution or is that just just a pie in the sky, you know, the pie in the sky thing. If we can find a way to make uh, regulated online poker repeal Obamacare, then <laughs> we've got this in the bag. Other than that, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of traction for this solution. I think there are a couple of reasons. One is, is no one really comes out a big enough winner for it to make sense. It, it is going to be inherently, at least if if legislation takes the track that it has been taking with Reed Kyle and, and similar bills, it's going to be kind of a compromise bill. And those are difficult because it makes it hard for any one side to really claim a victory. So I don't see a big enough win involved for, for any one group or any collection of groups to, to really get this through. Frankly, on days where I feel a little more cynical, I would say that all of this that we hear, a Barton's bill, the House hearing, the Senate hearing, any talk of, of federal legislation is really just grist for the lobbying mill and little else. Yeah, yeah it, it feels like we've been blown a lot of smoke 
uh, as a Nevada resident, uh, you know, by a Harry Reid, you know, you look at, and Jay, I know you're familiar with this too, the amount of money that the letterers and Ferguson's and uh, even the Esai's uh, were dumping into these campaigns for, for Reid uh, getting involved in Arizona as well. And a lot of promises, and those promises were, I think, only made in order to to raise more money. And it just doesn't feel like there's any legitimate traction on the federal side, at least in the short term. Um, what I'm curious is what what's it going to take for that to change, or is is anything ever going to make that change? I don't know. I feel like you had a great setup during the last lame duck when you had Kyle on board, when you had Reed yep. on board. And, and I feel like if you couldn't get something accomplished in that environment, it's tough for me to see an environment where you do get something accomplished. So I, I certainly think there's obvious reasons why a federal solution is, is preferable, especially for online poker players in many ways. But despite it being preferable, it just doesn't seem like the logical way that it's going to play out at, at this point as, as states continue to move on this issue. I, I think to, to use an, an overused phrase that is, is thrown around this discussion, the genie is out of the bottle and it doesn't make a federal, federal regulation can't put it back. And so at, at that point, it doesn't really, there's, there's not a clear idea of what federal like regulation would actually a- accomplish. So I, I think that's kind of the fatal flaw in, in any hopes for federal movement on this issue. I- I just just to finish up on this topic. I I always thought with the federal with federal movement that there was a real problem in that there are people who are true believers that this is a bad thing. You know, some conservative um, senators and congressmen. You know, who really believe they're true believers that this is bad. And so, how are you going to overcome that? And who's where is the capital to be gained by a politician who's got all kinds of things he needs to do for his constituencies and for his, you know, his bigger projects. Like, where does this fit in? And it just doesn't seem like who's, you know, who's going to take up the fight? Who really wants, who's, who really wants to do that? You know, for the, who's got the passion to, to push that through. There are just other things that are more important to 107, you know, to 100 senators and 435 congressmen. I think you had a person like that in Barney Frank, and, and uh, he was obviously a person of, of reasonable power and influence, and I think it speaks to the nature of the situation that, that he couldn't really push anything through, despite, I, I believe, honestly wanting to, not, not doing it for political gain or, or for fundraising gain, but uh, under an honest belief that it was the right thing to do legislatively. And I, I don't see that kind of champion, obviously Barton is is active, but I, I don't see that same kind of champion existing. I think you're right, Jay. I think there just simply isn't enough of a win. There isn't enough of, of a, a driving headline that can be taken away if you do pass this legislation that you can carry through to your next election. And I think that's a big problem. Let's uh, let's wrap this up by looking at what may happen specifically, and let's just go ahead and put some odds on it for certain states to pass in 2014. We're going to all work under the assumption that nobody's live in 2014, but that states are going to make some progress, maybe pass something that we're, that we're setting up for 2015 well. So uh, let's start with the big one with California. Chris, what do you think the odds are that we, we push something? Give me some percentages that California comes through. I would say that California passes some sort of, of on, online poker only, obviously, uh, regulation in 2000. 2014, about 80 percent of the time. Okay, uh, Jay, do you have any thoughts? Eighty percent. You really think that high? 
Maybe I'm just being optimistic. It, it is something I'm starting to see the money line up in California. And that's something that's yeah. that's been missing in the last few years. There's been a lot of talk and, and a lot of speculation, but it's only been in the last year, last 18 months that the money and the partnerships and everything have really started to line up. So uh, I'm just trying to follow the money. Basically, I think that's the logical way to, to make these predictions. And I, I see a lot of it going toward California at this point. Maybe they're just being optimistic too, though. Who knows? I, I've seen, Chris, similarly, I've seen a lot of, of uh, money being spent now uh, push that way. I'm seeing uh, big, big operators, uh, the biggest, like the IGTs. And uh, I don't know how New Jersey's decision with STARS is going to impact it, but STARS too, uh, spending money and really gearing up for something to happen in California. Also seeing a lot of uh, a lot of tribes coalescing and coming together and really starting to aggressively push this for the first time, which California has the biggest tribal gaming presence in the country. Um, so I'm with you on that 80%. I'm like 75 to 85% on it too. Um, been told by a few people on, on good source that they'd expect actually California to be live in early 2015. Um, and if that were to happen, I, I feel that is a, is a potential game changer. I mean, that's a, you'll, you would potentially see the revenue in California where maybe even the federal government wakes up a little bit, but, uh, everyone across the board feels really optimistic about California. Awesome. Yeah. Um, how about Pennsylvania? You've brought up Pennsylvania a couple of times. Pennsylvania is an interesting one. Uh, you have a real obstacle in the house. So I, I think that that, I don't want to say it's a wild card, but it's, it's an obstacle that I have not seen a, a plan proposed for overcoming at this point. Everything else I feel like is in place. You have a pretty strong legislative champion with Tomlinson. You have, have an appetite in the general legislature and, and with the governor for expanded gambling. You have the, the logic, the rationale of saying, well, New Jersey's doing it. We have to stay competitive. And a bill, I think, is expected to be floated here uh, in the next session. So I, I don't feel nearly as optimistic due to the House, but I, I still think there's a better than 50% chance that Pennsylvania gets okay. a bill passed in 2000. How about uh, Florida? I've been hearing some rumblings lately that uh, Florida's uh, – that some money is about to be spent lobbying for this uh, in Florida. To me, Florida is like number two poker state in the country right now. It's just – it's booming. It's a poker crazy state. Uh, Seminole Hard Rock events are doing fantastic. Uh, what are you hearing on Florida? Florida is interesting, right? It, it has this sort of quantum leap property. It, it, it was at a, a stage with its gaming a few years ago that is completely unrecognizable yep. at, at this point. And because of that, I, I think that's a good argument for Florida having a shot in 2014. I think arguments against um, maybe you have a little lingering backlash from the internet cafes. Yeah, that, that's that the big concern. People, I, I live that one firsthand. That's a that's a major concern. I mean, that just gets conflated unfairly with online gambling in, in mainstream coverage. That's going to be a problem. And they're also sort of at a nascent stage legislatively. Obviously, bills can spring fully formed uh, from a sponsor at any time. But but generally speaking, the way that we've seen this play out is that it takes a couple of legislative attempts before something gets through before you find the right recipe. So I put Florida slightly under fifty percent because of of those primary obstacles. Maybe like forty somewhere in there. And uh, New York, Illinois. Illinois is an interesting one that, that is my home state right now. There are a lot of things going for Illinois. Obviously, a strong casino presence, a fairly cohesive industry. You've got all the right players in there. They are facing a massive deficit, so any revenue is going to be welcome. And the people who have been pushing, uh, Link and Cullerton, who have been pushing online gambling regulation in the past are very powerful in the state. So you have a good champion, 
a good industry and the financial need. So I, I think Illinois is somewhere around Pennsylvania, maybe even a little better uh, in the high 50s, low 60s. Okay. New York? New York I'm not as familiar with. It's not a state I followed as closely, but, but the movement seems very serious. There are a lot of people talking about it, and obviously massive gambling expansion just accrued. Whether or not there's going to be the appetite for online to go along with that, I'm not sure. But they, like Pennsylvania, will look at the numbers from New Jersey, and if they see a market there, I think they'll jump on it pretty quickly. So I'm going to pass on offering a specific number just because I'm not familiar enough with the state, but it definitely seems like an above average. And then uh, are, there any, are there any dark horse states, uh, probably smaller ones, but uh, that might sneak something in in 2014? Sure. I think Connecticut, you could see some sort of movement there. Obviously, there was talk in Colorado uh, over the last couple of weeks, but it looks like they're going to need a, a public ballot in order okay. to get that done. Not that that's insurmountable. It's just an extra step in the process. And then depending on how smoothly the land-based gambling goes in Massachusetts, which, which hasn't been very smoothly to this point, I think you'll definitely see an initiative there. The a lottery commissioner supports it, and there were a couple of legislative pushes last spring. As well, so they've already had kind of the first shots at it, didn't get through, but there seems to be enough support that if land-based smooths out and they get that on track, uh, online could follow pretty quickly. And then uh, last last question to wrap this up. Uh, so far, New Jersey, Nevada, Delaware, there's been no tribal presence whatsoever. Um, when do you expect to see uh, tribal gaming, which is bigger than land-based gaming in Nevada and, and Atlantic City? Uh, when do you expect to see them getting involved? Is it California, really? Uh, or do you think that somehow or another they're just going to miss out entirely? I don't, I don't think they're going to miss out entirely. I think California will definitely be a tipping point for that segment of the gambling industry. I, I think just like every other segment, there needs to be a tangible, concrete example of it working, working in a way that produces revenue, doesn't cannibalize your land-based product working in a way that not only produces revenue but obviously produces profit or enough ancillary benefits that it's worth running uh, at a neutral or a loss. And I think once you get a couple of those concrete examples, and California does seem like the best opportunity, that's when you're going to see that industry, uh, that segment of the industry, start to open up in the same way that the, the commercial uh, brick-and-mortar industry had, has opened up as regulation has become less of a hypothetical and more of a pending reality that, that they have to deal with. All right, awesome. Jay, do you have any, anything else to wrap up with? No, just remind me to check in with Chris anytime I have any questions on the subject. That was a <laughs> yeah, no tour de force. Uh, uh, I, I feel smarter. Um, very rarely <laughs> can, can uh, somebody else actually make me feel smarter. So, Chris, uh, thank you so much for coming on. We will definitely have you on again uh, next year. Uh, check out onlinepokerreport.com. Is there anything that you want to plug before we go? No, that's it. Thanks a lot for having me. Hey, on. what's your Twitter? What's your Twitter handle, Chris? It is at op report. For everybody out there, that's a great one to follow if you want to know what's going on in the industry. Best we got. Oh, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Yep. Okay. Thanks, Chris and uh, Jay. Let's uh, let's continue on with some non-poker stuff now. All right. So, uh, Jay, feel a lot smarter right now. Um, let's uh, let's get out of the poker talk. A lot of people tune in for or download the Wicked Chops podcast for some more of the non-poker content. So uh, let's let's talk about the year in entertainment, because it was a pretty good year in entertainment. Yeah. Uh, top movies, top TVs. Well, I think for first I'll say generally that um, I think it's another year, and maybe the, the, the year where it's most prominent that TV just crushed. 
um, and really just like the the predominant cultural force uh, is is television. You know, where for decades it had been movies and TV was sort of this the redheaded stepchild, uh, and that just ain't the case. I mean, you hear like you know Steven Soderbergh and other just like major major filmmakers talking about their desire to get into television. It's remarkable. Yeah. It's remarkable and it's wonderful, and I think it's just I think it's great. Yeah, it's amazing that TV has suddenly become the prestige vehicle um, when it never was. But uh, you know, the quality of shows, and we've talked about this on, on some previous podcasts, but uh, you know, the quality of TV content from your Breaking Bads and your Mad Men's going back to The Sopranos uh, has just been off the charts, and this was a pretty good year. Now, what uh, we don't have to go any more detail on Breaking Bad. I think we covered it in four or five different podcasts. Uh, definitely my number one show of the year. But what else uh, has caught your interest on TV this year? Well, I think the other major one, I think this would be like for a lot of people, um, would be Game of Thrones. Yep. Um, is really just like an unbelievably impressive undertaking. You know, you just look at it and it's like the, how how much money and the ambition of the uh, of the undertaking is really is pretty breathtaking. Um, and I think if you were to look at a trend for TV, I, th- I think you could really say like the rise of the of the fantasy, uh, the fantasy sci-fi geek this year. You know, yeah, like, that, uh, you're right. For, are, no, you're you're talking about Sharknado, right? <laughs> well, not, not exactly. Um, well, what I'm talking about is like you know, so I, I have like these sort of rather geeky tendencies and sci-fi, you know, something of a sci-fi geek and, you know, can quote more Star Trek than anybody really should be able to. Um, But you start seeing something like Doctor Who, which is like sort of this like quiet, guilty pleasure for some of us and, you know, super geeky sort of thing. But then like I saw it in Walgreens on the cover of like this special I saw that too. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was like yeah, I, right. I was really surprised by that. Yeah, the checkout counter, and I think it's, yeah. this is the, the the rise of the uh, of the geek, you know, of, of the geek in in popular culture, um, is a really interesting trend for me. I mean, like, look at the people who are taking in Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones is like you know a spawn of Tolkien. You know, this right. is like, and it's it's pretty hardcore stuff, but this is like widely, widely enjoyed by, by a huge, huge population of people who are very dedicated to it. I, I, for one, think it's great. And I think the TV has just been fantastic. Okay, so just back up real quick. You yeah. mentioned you, you can quote Star Trek, like you're a big Star Trek guy. You're a Trekkie. I, w- I don't know if like a tre- a true trekker uh, they don't call themselves trekkies uh, would would call me would would think that I'm legit you know so it's, but I you know can talk about some episodes more than wow you know. look at you learn something new every day yeah. <laughs> yeah you know this has been an interesting year for uh, for TV for me I've probably watched less TV uh, this year than any other year by a pretty large margin. Um, you know, for me, it has been all Breaking Bad, Shark Tank, my favorite freaking show on TV for the course of the entire year. Do you watch Shark Tank? I think it's awesome. I love Shark Tank. Yeah, it's the best reality TV on. I really, I really enjoy it. I get really like if I'm on a rare occasion, if I am not around a TV on a Friday night at nine o'clock, I start getting like really, uh, like I can't believe I'm about to miss Shark Tank. I, I really look forward to it that much. Um, another another one that nobody really talks about too much, but is just 
awesomely entertaining is Impractical Jokers on True TV. Love Impractical Jokers. I don't know if you ever got a chance to catch that. No, I haven't seen that. It's a it's a great 30 minutes of tune your not really tune your brain out, but just kind of reminds me of me and my friend, me and my boys, like Leo Bones Freaky growing up, guys that used to just uh you know play pranks on each other and mess with each other, but it's done in a really fun and I don't want to say intelligent, but it's it's pretty smart humor too. So uh, and I, I'm not sure I can think of anything else, you know, now that, you know, community, has there been a community this year? No, January 4th, it starts again. Okay. So yeah, you know, without, without a, a regular dose of community. Um, yeah, there is no longer a sitcom in my, in my consumption you yeah. know, that, that I, that I, that I, you know, I was watching 30 rock for, for years when community comes back, I'll watch that. But there's there's nothing else. Nothing. Yeah, else. It, I guess the only thing that counts for me is I'm still watching reruns of Seinfeld occasionally. Okay, right, right. Um, <laughs> Thank you, TBS. Right. So how about how about movie how about movies? What's your what have you? Really you know, we were talking about it before the podcast started. I, when I was writing out a movie list this year, I was shocked to see how many movies I've actually seen this year. I've probably seen more movies. Maybe that's where all my TV watching is going is to movies, but I've seen a lot of really, really good flicks this year. Um, first, we can bring this back to poker real quick. This was a boon year for poker movies. I know we're going to massively disagree on this one. Um, you wrote a great post on it on Wicked Chops, but saw, saw Runner Runner with, uh, with B-Balls, with Brian Bosba. We both walked out of that movie saying, that was not a bad movie, not a bad poker movie. Um, I'm ducking right now because I know you're throwing shit. No, no, I'm not. I, I will just say 25% on Rotten Tomatoes and leave it at that. I am not going to, you know, we we, we, have, we only have so many hours. That we both have daughters that we need to get to yes. sleep eventually. So Yes. Um, but that wasn't bad. Uh, did you ever see Bet Ray's Fall? I did not. Uh, really entertaining. Uh, probably could have cut maybe 15, 20 minutes out. It is now on, on demand on uh, my Cox cable provider. So uh, I would recommend anybody that at least uh, has has Cox for cable to check it out. It's a five ninety nine uh, on demand purchase. Curious if they've done any tweaks on it, but really well put together, really well done. Um, I, I think it would probably have broader appeal to non just poker people. They did a pretty good job of tracking some human interest stories in it, um, and just you know where we are used to the bar being for poker entertainment. Uh, this definitely. It's a low bar, but this definitely greatly exceeded that bar. And then uh, I was even surprised to have liked as much as I did the Ultimate Beat, the Ultimate Bet story, that okay. documentary. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I was a lot closer to that than probably, uh, you know, a lot of people, just some of the work that we did on, on Wicked Chops. So for that reason alone, I didn't think I was going to like it that much because I knew most of the stuff already. But even that was really well done and put together. So okay year for poker movies. Cool. Yeah, I mean, the only one I saw was Runner Runner, and that was for the sake of doing the, you know, doing a review of it. I, I hate watch. You hate watch. It. I didn't know. I didn't. Hate, I went in with an open. I believe I went in with an open mind. I think I was trying to trying to be fair. I mean, I'm a big fan of Levine and Compliment. You yeah. know, I think they've done some really great stuff and have been, you know, one of the some of the most important people in the poker world, popularizing it. So I don't. I didn't. I don't go in hoping. For, I mean, I like Justin Timberlake. I, you know, I don't. I think Jen, Jenna Averton looks great in a tight dress. So I've got like sure. nothing to, you know, I, I didn't go in hoping it would suck. 
Right. Yeah. You know, definitely. Especially after your post, I went in, we both went in, uh, B-Balls too, uh, to, to hate watch the movie. And there was a point like 15, 20 minutes in where we're like, wait a minute, this isn't too bad. But we'll, we'll move on. Yeah, we'll that. move on. Right? In, in, in actual movies, movies, uh, away from poker, uh, Gravity, loved Gravity, blew me away. That was uh, amazing. Just absolutely incredible. Yeah, it is the first movie that I've seen in 3D that I actually felt like the 3D wasn't just cheaply thrown in there to like, it actually made me feel a little bit more close to the story, more intimate to the story, too. So uh, it was the first time a 3D movie had that kind of yeah. emotional impact, maybe, or or just added something to the table. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll just say overall for this year, I mean, it was a dreadful summer, like just terrible, 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 big budget films right. but since then we've had films by Curion we've got the Coen yep. brothers uh, David O. Russell and Alexander Payne all out yep. right now and all doing and all really good um, yep. saw American one, Hustle one yesterday summer movie, yeah. one summer movie Jay actually two summer movies that stood out to me um, first was the final in the before trilogy so this would be before midnight I believe okay uh, with uh, with Ethan Hawke and oh and yeah, I heard that was great. It w- was so uh, real, <laughs> and uh, you know, again, it's like the other movies where it's all dialogue and you know, not much movement from you know place to place, scene to scene. But just like I've seen that couple before, uh, it felt really real. The topics were very real. Um, unbelievably well put together. Uh, it just, yeah, it's, it's one that kind of hits home. It's a, a really important. Definitely check that one out. That's on on demand right now. And then this is the end. Love. Oh, I enjoyed that too. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, that was legitimately funny all the way through. The part with uh, James Franco and Danny McBride, where he's he's talking about coming on everything, and just that whole two minutes is probably the hardest I've I've laughed in a movie and. I don't know since when, since the Naked Gun and the late, <laughs> it, unbelievably funny. Yeah. Uh, so those movies, like that was a quality movie. There, there's, I mean, it's a comedy and a kind of a goofball friend comedy, but that was like a good movie. Yeah, I, I would also like for ones that I really enjoyed. Uh, just saw American Hustle, which is a hoot. Yeah, how was that? It was really good. I mean, it's a really, really well put together movie. Um, you know, just in, in every phase of it. The performances are amazing. The costuming is terrific. The storytelling is just like an homage to Goodfellas, which I just you know, which is my favorite movie of right. all time. I've heard that. Uh, I've heard that too about the Wolf of Wall Street. That it's got a good. I haven't seen that yet, but it's got yeah. a, a Goodfellas vibe to it. Yeah, I, I, this there's like specific techniques that like were just pulled that David O. Russell just pulled right out of it from from Goodfellas, and I, and I, I think it's just for terrific effect. Um, yeah, and the other the other one that I saw the big Hollywood one that I really enjoyed was the um, Catching Fire, the um, the Hunger Games one. The Hunger Games one that was really I heard well that done. was really good too. I've never seen any of it. I never read the books or anything, but I heard that was fantastic. That was just like a legit like you know you you see enough movies like they're where they're just where they. Where they, where they just seem really intent on fucking it up somehow or uh-huh. another, and this is one where they like decidedly did not fuck it up, and you know, and there there's stuff in there like, you know, they did the CGI was great, was really was disciplined, and you know, like for a movie that was as broad as it was, like it actually felt a little restrained in a way that was useful, um, and you know, Jennifer Lawrence is, you know, probably gonna. Uh, she's going to win 100 Academy Awards before she's all, was, when 
all said and done. Uh, and she can really hold the screen for, you know, two, for the two and a half hours. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's any other ones that, that stood out. You, but uh, I gotta say, like, just as far as a theme, sorry to interrupt you there, Charles. Yeah. As far as a theme, it's like, I don't think since like Avatar came out that we've had a year that was so dominated by a single, you know, a single work. And that work is breaking bad. You know, it just yeah. like, that is all everybody, you know, everybody was talking about. And that's in the midst of some other really good stuff. But that was like the singular work of the year. And, it really was. Yeah. It, it was definitely an entertainment, like this galvanizing point. And, you know, the ratings for it finally were through the roof. And, um, yeah, that that's it. One other, uh, we're talking about a, a lousy summer. But one other movie that for I have absolutely no reason whatsoever, no clue why I ordered this on demand because uh, it's not my kind of movie at all, but I did and then ended up thoroughly enjoying it. Summer movie, mindless, but kind of awesome, White House Down. Check it out. Okay. All right. Yeah. Is that And that's not the same as Olympus Has Fallen, right? Those are two different movies. That... I, don't, I don't know what Olympus Has Fallen is, but I know that White House Down was fucking entertaining. Um. Terrific. Yeah, and maybe in a future uh, episode we can talk about like the, my new um, – you know, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts recently and finding yep. the, another form of entertainment that's really uh, – suits suits your – suits a lifestyle that uh, most of yeah. us have these days with, you know, time in the car, walking the dog. It's really good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, uh, we'll cover that in uh, 2014. So uh, 2013, it's been a good year. Thank you. Looking forward to hopefully even bigger and better next year. Uh, again, thanks to Chris Grove from OnlinePokerReport.com for joining us. Jay, any closing thoughts to send out the year? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> you, Chops, do you have any, any words of wisdom yeah, about like showing a little bit more spite in, in 2014? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I've dialed, I've dialed back the spite a little bit. But, uh, you know, spite makes me alive. Um, but, yeah, try to dial it back. Uh, maybe maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll pour it on in 2014. We'll see. Anyway, uh, great year. Good podcast. Jay, thanks. And looking forward to doing this again next year. Okay. Take care, Chops. <laughs>